0: Well, wow! Well, as we continue here, let me have a drink of water real quick. As we continue in our series on uh, first aid for the family, uh, we come from this. We come to this topic of sacrifice, which follows on the heels of what Pastor Jonathan brought us last week on forgiveness. He said something to the effect that uh, forgiveness. Is that voluntary suffering that we engage in in order to absorb the damage done to ourselves and release the offender from the obligation to repair the harm sacrifice is a little broader than that it 's a little more all inclusive than that You can tell by the passage that uh, justin uh, or oh, that Jason just read for us this morning, we have a wonderful example. Before us, and in that example, you see Christ who emptied himself and sacrificed everything for us, how he was fulfilled for, for, for having done that. He was exalted, he was raised above every other name, and, 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 and he enjoys the glories of heaven. That's something of what we have to look forward to. But while we're here on earth, what are we called? How are we designated? We are called pilgrims and sojourners from 1 Peter 2.11. Beloved, I urge you as as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh. We're called soldiers. These are all sacrificial kinds of positions that we find ourselves in. Uh, Paul says to Timothy, share in suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. We are the persecuted ones. Uh, 1 Timothy 3.12 says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So what we'll do this morning then is that we will look to Jesus and then we'll, we'll make application. We'll make application to the head of the family, to the helper of the family, and to the younger members of the family, and we'll find our place in, in, in this body of Christ that sacrifices for him. This is strong medicine. It's strong, and it's thick, and it's dark, but it's for the healing of us. It will bless us. It will enable us to glorify Christ more if we can come to this place where we more and more lay down our lives for him. And that's what we want to do. We don't want to just say that. We want to do that. We don't want to just sing that. We want to perform it. As the individual occasions come to us on a daily basis, we want to give it up for Jesus. That's what we want to do. We want to sacrifice categorically even as Jesus did. In, in what Jason just read for us, we saw, number one, that Jesus left his position. We'll sacrifice our position. He sacrificed his. He was the second person of the Trinity from all eternity. He left that place, emptied himself, and took the form of a servant. He, he sacrificed his preference We can say beyond any shadow of a doubt that Jesus, before he was Jesus, when he was the son of God, he had all of his preferences. He was in the community of the Trinity, the triune God. He left that preference and he came down here. And when he was in the garden, if I can just give one illustration, he preferred, if it could be. If it were possible for this cup to pass, he would prefer, if it could be, if there could be some other way to save sinners than to drink the cup of God's wrath, if it could pass, he gave up that preference. He may have desired that. He asked about it. He immediately surrendered that conflict that was in his mind, and he said, not my will. But your will be done. He gave his time. Sacrifice requires time. It's its position, its preference, its time. He spent 33 years here on this earth. And from now on, dear people, you've got to know this. You've got to, we, if we can't understand it, right now at the right hand of God, there is a man. His name is Jesus, and he forever will be at the right hand of God, our Savior, a human being, joined with the second person of the Blessed Trinity forever. That's time. That's eternity. That's forever. That's what he's doing, exalted. But it's Jesus We will see him with our eyes. He has a body like ours, glorified. We will see him. And the essence of sacrifice, the bottom line foundation, it's for what we call that audience of one. It's for God. It's for God alone. Ultimately, all that you will sacrifice in this life, all that you will do is for him alone. You'll never be free to really serve him unless you get this concept. I'm doing it for God. I don't care if I get thanked, if I get recognized, if I get rewarded. I don't care about any of those things. All, all sacrifice, focus itself, just like Jesus did in this passage read. It's all for the glory of God. It's all for his praise, his food, his meat, his portion was to do the will of God. Whether anybody was looking, it was always for God. Well, let me give you these three texts then that will build a foundation. I'll, I'll, I'll try to do this briefly. Three texts that help us, that help me, that help all of us to get a hold of this concept of sacrifice. And what you're going to see as we have taught on previously, the indicative precedes or surrounds the imperative. And what I mean by that is what is indicated as having been done, what is given to us couched in the mercy that is indicated, that has already been extended, that's where the imperative comes. It comes after the indicative. God says, this is what I've done for you. And now this is what I want you to do for my glory. The the command, the imperative, follows the indicative all the way through the scriptures. In Luke chapter 9 and verses 22 through 24, uh, you'll see the first example of this. Jesus says... The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. That's the indicative. Here is the imperative, dear child of God. And he said to all in verse 23, if anyone anyone would come after me let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me for whoever will save his life will lose it but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it let these words sink down into your heart into my heart if anyone would come after me anybody Anybody who professes to follow Jesus Christ, anyone who wants to walk in his steps, anyone who wants ultimately to end up where he ends up in heaven, anybody, if anyone would come after him, what, what must you do? You must deny yourself and take up, he says, his cross, her cross, you have a cross, What is the cross? It is not the burdens of your life. It's not your infirmities. It's not your difficulties. That's not what the cross is. You know what the cross is. The cross is the instrument of death. Anybody carrying a cross that was seen in those times, the people knew they're not coming back. We're not going to see them again. They're dying today. That's the essence of it is self-denial to the point of dying to yourself, to your preferences, to your position, to, with your time, with your resources for the audience of one. That's what he says. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross. We each have one and follow me based on the The indicative that the Son of Man must suffer many things. It's actually sandwiched in it. The indicative also is for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. There's the indicative all around the imperative of of denying ourselves. The the, uh, second passage is Romans chapter 12. And uh, these are all very familiar But we've got to hear them now. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, by the mercies of God. That's the indicative. What are the mercies of God in this context? It's chapters 11 all the way to chapter 1 of Romans chapter 1. The mercies of God found in Jesus Christ and all that he has done for sinners, all that the Holy Spirit has done, tremendous, tremendous mercies. I appeal, to, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship your body, which represents your life, your whole life, is, is, is to be laid upon the altar. So different from the Old Testament sacrifices, which the animals uh, uh, were, were, were killed and burnt. It was all passive for them. And they, they did not crawl off the altar. They couldn't do that. They were consumed As as a symbolic sacrifice of of the totality of, of the covering of sin, what was necessary, the life of another. But those sacrifices didn't solve anything. But now that you are saved, now that you have the mercies of God, now that we have all of this, what is it for us to do? We've got to voluntarily crawl up on the altar and we've got to stay there. We've got to lay down our lives for Christ. And in the numerous things that are presented to us each day, we've got to give it up for Christ. Not my will, not my preference, not what I want to do. I want to do what you want me to do. And we lay down our lives for him. We live to serve him. That's what we want to do. So different. We, we want to get off the altar. We want the comfort. We want the conveniences. We want all these things. It's not wrong to want those things. But it is far better. It is far better to lay down. That's what we're commanded to do. Lay down our lives. Our, our, our entire bodies. That's the essence of worship. Is giving it up for Jesus. We worship here in, in this place. But the best worship is that daily worship of giving yourself to Christ. Maybe you've heard this hymn. I'm uh, sure you have. Uh, it's by Judson W. Van Deventer. We sing it from time to time. I wonder if we really mean it. I wonder if I really mean it. I want to mean it. All to Jesus, I surrender. All to Him. I freely give. I will ever love and trust him. And in his presence daily live. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to Jesus, my blessed savior. I surrender all. That's got to be the heartbeat of our lives together as families. We surrender it all. We give it all up to Jesus. Uh, the last passage is is First Corinthians fifteen thirty and thirty one. This is this is the testimony of Paul. You have the words of Jesus. You have the proclamation of of Paul based on the mercies of God. Now you have his own his own testimony. He says, "Why are we in danger every hour?" I protest, brothers. By my pride in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily. That's what Paul said. What makes Paul run the risks and take the chances and and, and, and fall into danger? You know his testimony, you know how he was always delivered. Why would he go for that? Why would he do for that? Why would he say, I know that persecutions and sufferings await me, but I'm going? It's because he knew of the resurrection. He knew he'd be raised from the dead. You can read the context. It's all about the resurrection. That's why he can say, I die every day when James Calvert went out as a missionary to the cannibals of, Fiji, uh, of the Fiji Islands, the ship captain tried to turn him back by saying, you will lose your life and the lives of those who were with you among such savages. To that, Calvert replied, we died before we came here. In Hudson Taylor's days, uh, when all these waves of missions uh, 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 back in the 1850s were coming to the inland areas of China, there was a group called the Student Volunteer Movement. And from 1850 to 1950, they sent nearly 10,000 missionaries to inland areas, often at great personal sacrifice. Many early SVM, student volunteer missionaries, to areas with endemic tropical diseases left with their belongings packed in a coffin, aware that 80% of them would die in two years. That's how much Jesus was worth to these students the ten thousand student volunteer missionaries pack your clothes in a casket. Pack some of your belongings there, because you don't intend on coming back. You may die of some tropical disease or be eaten by the savages. Doesn't matter. Here's a box. Put what's left to me there. Well, we glance then at 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 uh, Jesus we need to have a look at the family head and the family helper and the younger family members. The family head is is the husband. Just one verse. Let it be tattooed upon our hearts, men. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That's what it's all about. If you have romance, fine. If you have intimacy, fine. If you have companionship and compatibility, fine. Enjoy it. Thank God for it. But that is not what marriage is all about. It's a beautiful part of marriage. Revel in it. If you have it, treasure it, cultivate it. Marriage is really all about men is for us to show the world and show our wives what the love of Christ is like for the church. That's what you saw that man doing. He said, it's a privilege. It's a privilege to love my wife this way. I'm so thankful for all that she's done for me, but that's not the most important thing. To exemplify Christ... We've got to give ourselves up, men. I've got to do it more and more. My wife will testify that I don't do it enough, but I want to. I want to glorify Jesus in the way I love my wife. That's what we've got to do. God, help us to lay down our position as, as leader. Be the leader. Be a servant as well. Lay aside our selfish preferences, men. That's what we, we didn't find out what sinners we were, did we, men, until we got married. How self-centered, how self-serving, self-satisfying. We found out that, wow, I am a wretch. I never knew it till I got married. And these resources that we have, the energy we have, the time we have, give it up for her. Give it up for the church. Show the world what the love of Jesus is like. And get your thanks, get your praise, get your acceptance from God and God alone. Sure, you will you welcome encouragement. Man, I, I, I sure like to get it. But God is enough. Pleasing God is enough. But what about the helper then? Now, as the church uh, submits to Christ... Ephesians 5 24. The men are in verse 25, the women are in verse 24. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should should submit in everything to their husbands. Ladies, ladies, you are the church of Christ. You, You represent the church of Christ in a marriage. The sweet. Pleasant submission and following of your husband, the helper that, you, that he needs without you, he is helpless. You are his helper. This takes sacrifice. Don't do it so much for him. Do it for Jesus. Be sweet. Be submissive. Try to please him in every way you can, the way the church pleases Christ. Make that sacrifice. Lay down your preferences, your time, your resources. And do it for the audience of one. Don't do it so much for him. You may have an ungodly husband. We pray for you ladies that have that uneven yoke. Ah, but show him Jesus by your sweet and quiet, chaste behavior. Do it for Jesus. Don't do it for him. Do it for Christ. May Christ be glorified in your marriage. May it takes sacrifice. You go to weddings and, it, and you see these two lovers and you're so happy for them. Ah, they're getting on a roller coaster, aren't they? They are roaring around all over the place. They have no idea and neither did we. But this we know. Men, let's give ourselves up for our wives Wives, let's give yourself up in, in in sweet submission. Children, Ephesians six one and two, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Why? For this is right. God says it's right. Honor your father and your mother. You will have to sacrifice. You'll have to. You have to trust them. You obey them even when you don't like it. And you do it for Jesus' sake. That's why you must do it, that your days may be long upon the earth. Our problem, see, our problem in all of these things is is the autonomous nature of our hearts, the independence that we want to have and we want to exercise. It's me, 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 me. I'm the judge of all these matters. I make my own decisions. I evaluate everything. It's all about me, 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 me. And it's got to be broken. It's, it's broken by the grace of God and the sacrifice of his son. You children are not wiser than your mother and father. We make a terrible mistake. See, here's, here's the huge mistake we make w- w- with the me, 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 me. We think time is ours. We think the money is ours. We think the education and the skills are ours. We think the opportunities are ours. We think everything is ours. When in fact, we are stewards. Everything is on loan. Everything we're to do business with. Our money is not our own. We think it is. I earned it. It's mine. Who gave you the capacity to earn it? Who gave you the job? Who gives you the gold and the silver? God does. That's our problem. That's what's in the way of doing all kinds of sacrificial things. We think it's all about us. It's all about his glory. And we have limited time to praise him and to to honor him by our sacrificial living. Everything is given to us as, as stewards. Well, when you come back to Jesus then, if we end with Jesus... Here's what Hebrews 12 says. I want you to know that the life of sacrifice, if you don't already know this, if you need encouragement in this, the the life of sacrifice is a life of fulfillment. It's a life of joy, it's a life of satisfaction. You will never be fulfilled unless you sacrifice, unless you give and give it up. You will never have that sense of fulfillment. Listen to this. Therefore, the writer to the Hebrews says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a crowd, a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Let's run with Jesus with this. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, now listen to these words that seem so counterintuitive and incongruent. Jesus, for who the joy, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. <laughs> The one who sacrificed the most, with no peer, with no competitor whatsoever, Jesus Christ, who gave his life for sinners. Who suffered the wrath of God. We cannot comprehend it. It is more than an ocean of lava. It it, it is stupendous. It it is incomprehensible. The wrath of God for every single sin of every single sinner that that he was going to save. Generations of sinners saved by the blood of Jesus. He did it all for what? For the joy. For the joy of justifying the many. That's why he did it. He got pleasure in it. Even though his sufferings are beyond measure, he's the most fulfilled. He's the most exalted of all. Here is joy. Here is fulfillment. Here is glory. The everlasting honor and reward and unending pleasure and ever-increasing happiness that comes to us as we walk in the steps of, of, of Jesus Christ. Why do, we, why do we prosecute our case so vigorously for the gospel of Jesus Christ? Why do we keep giving it over and over again? We, we want you young people, we want you lost people uh, to come to Christ. Why do we say that? Why are we so desperate about it all the time? We can't let go of it. I got to see a movie um, uh, this past week, which I rarely uh, I really get to see anything, but I was invited over to the Joneses, and I got to see The Hobbit. I, I, if you haven't seen The Hobbit, it's okay. I would not have seen it, but I love those kinds of movies. But A Hobbit is, is this little guy. He's a little guy. The biggest thing on him is his hairy feet. He's little. He's hanging with the dwarfs. The dwarfs are a lot bigger than he is, but they're they're dwarfs. And the kingly dwarf, the king, the third-generation king who's wearing animal skins on him, and he's got broad shoulders. He looks like a king. He's got long black hair. He's despising what was his name, Bilbo Baggins. And he says, why don't you just go home? Go home. Bilbo says, "Um, I've got a home. I have a home. I've got a garden. I've got I've got a lovely home. But you dwarfs, you don't have a home. And the slight Caucasian guy who looks like a weakling, he says, I I want to fight for you. I want you to have a home. And later in the movie, He saves the king's life. That's what we want for you. We have a home. We Christians, we have a home. It's in heaven. This place is not our home. We're pilgrims. We're sojourners. We're wanderers. We're persecuted. We're soldiers. But we're going home. Speaking of, on behalf of all the Christians here, dear lost one, I'll tell you this. I have a home. And, we're, and we want to fight for you to have a home. We want to keep pressing you. We can't bring you to our home. Only Jesus can. But Jesus' arms are wide open for you. You call upon his name. You'll have a home in heaven too. and you'll, and, and you'll enter this lovely Christian life that we have. ...that is full of joy and fulfillment. Yes, sacrifice and suffering... ...but satisfaction... ...and pleasures in the right hand of God forevermore. We invite you. Come with us. Come with us to our home. Join us. Call upon the Lord. Repent of your sins. Come with us. We're going to heaven. And we're glad. We're going to rejoice... All the way, in Jesus' name, we thank you God. We thank you for Christ, who died for our sins and has set us the example and give us the impetus to lay down our lives for Him. We pray this in His name. Amen. i 'd like to ask uh, David and, and Donna Reed to come. They're going to um, uh, testify. A little bit of, oh, he's got a microphone already. Great. Uh, come on up. They're going to testify of, of, of what sacrifice looks like. I'm not going to steal any of their fire because they have some fire to share of what sacrifice looks like um, in their family and, 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 and how God has manifested that uh, to them. Come, come, please.
1: definition for you. It says, a sacrifice is a loss of something you give up, usually for the sake of a better cause. Uh, We found that to be interesting when they asked us to come up here and speak on sacrifice because we don't know what we do, (laughs) I guess. Uh, What did they want us to to speak on? Uh, Because we couldn't think of where we have really sacrificed in any way Uh, And then when talking to Pastor Keith uh, a little bit, uh, we found out that uh, uh, part of the area that they were speaking about is when we would uh, maybe have somebody come over to our home, uh, guest speakers or whatever. But we have never really felt that to be a sacrifice, and I'll tell you why. We get more out of it than we ever give. Uh, Anytime they come, uh, we have the opportunity of getting to meet. And to fellowship with good Christian people, mm-hmm. and that counts for more than anything we could ever do for them. Uh, it just opens up many, many doors of fellowship that uh, we wouldn't have otherwise. And so we enjoy it. It's it's a blessing for us. We just uh, we find it a thrill to be able to have uh, some of the speakers that uh, have spoken here, or people that have gone to classes, or whatever. Uh, and I I gotta say. That I probably learned this from my mom. (laughs) My mom has been uh, very sacrificial in that way. She uh, has many times over the years, even when I was a young guy, uh, we would have people in our home for uh, a meal or something like that, a guest speaker or whatever, and she would give up her time and her efforts and her monies, financials, whatever, to do that. Uh, and again, the blessing that we got or received from that was more than we could ever ever wow. put out as far as we were concerned. So it's just uh, it's kind of unusual for us to be be thinking that way anyway,
0: yeah.
1: uh, that we really sacrifice anything as we don't feel that way at all. Uh, the Lord has just been really good to give us the means mm-hmm. by which we can open up our home or have people over or whatever in that way yeah anything you want to say,
0: please say something, Donna please <laughs> um, I wasn't really planning on it, but I do agree totally with what David said as far as um, we we never think of it as sacrifice. We feel honored to be mm-hmm. able to have people in our home that they would want to be with us and um, and it, I think one of the best things ever was having both of the Ahmadi boys in our home. Uh, No sacrifice at all for all that we received from them. That was just one example.
1: And One more thing, if you don't mind. Uh, Real quick, I'd just like to... Pastor Keith closed with this same passage, but I would just like to read it to you just a little bit differently. Uh, Talking about Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Uh, He says... Talking about Christ, who is the leader and the source of our faith and is also its finisher, he for the joy of obtaining the prize. Mm -hmm. What's the prize? It's us. Hallelujah. It's us. Mm
0: -hmm. Let me pray with you real quick, then, please. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, uh, for this testimony. And all the testimonies that are within our people, our sheep, we praise you uh, for whatever willingness we have, for whatever experiences we've had in, in, wow, we don't want to even say we ever sacrificed because Christ has done so much for us. We've only done what we ought to have done and sometimes not even that. We, we do pray for their sons, Michael and Tony, uh, that they will know the Lord Jesus Christ exemplified in their parents. and. And, and 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 in in their uncle Larry as well and Evelyn and and make them to be believers, the fine young men they are, make them to be the finest in Jesus Christ. Bless us all then. Uh, help us, help us, help us to lay down our lives for Christ in the everyday things that we do and not count it as any great sacrifice, but count it as as joy and blessedness. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.